ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so last week we started uh, the book of Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab rahmatullahi alayhi nawaqid al-islam things that nullify one's islam and we took an introduction in which we talked about the dangers of takfir the dangers of declaring another muslim to be an apostate accusing another muslim of being outside of the fold of al-islam we took that we also took some principles about nine principles um nine principles in relation to takfir or accusing another muslim or declaring another muslim of being a kafir who can tell me some of the dangers of takfir First and foremost, what is takfir? Now, when you say to another Muslim, not another kafir, when you say to a Muslim, you are a kafir. And there's two types. There's takfir of haq. There's a correct takfir or correctly pronouncing someone to be or declaring someone to be a kafir. Then there's the second type, which is Incorrectly accusing another Muslim of being a kafir. What are some of the dangers, Dayib? Now that we know the definition or, or what it is, what are some of the dangers? Nah. Excellent. So the Baba is uh, mentioning the hadith in which the Prophet said, if a person Muslim if a Muslim accuses another Muslim of being a kafir, then it comes back to one of them. It is either as he, as he has said, meaning that that person is a kafir, or it comes back to him, or it comes back to him. So that is from the dangers. What else? <laughs> nah. Cursing a Muslim is fisk and... Uh, Naam, insulting him is fisq Insulting the messenger Insulting him is fisq And it is as if you have killed him And one of the biggest insults is to say to another Muslim You are a kafir Taib, what else? Naam, excellent You're making his blood halal You're saying that he is now permissible to be killed Because the Prophet ﷺ said Whoever leaves the religion then kill him Also, takfir was the very first bid'ah Innovation that came into this ummah Takfir Declaring another Muslim to be a kafir Illegitimately was the first bid'ah that came to this ummah And who were the ones that done it? The khawarij And who did they say were kuffar? The companions of the Prophet So Uthman was killed because of this takfir The illegitimate takfir Ali radiallahu anhu And many 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 companions were killed because of a misunderstanding, because of the misunderstanding of the Khawarij with regards to Islam. طيب. Who can mention some of the principles? Remind me, I'm going to add a tenth principle. Remind me, inshallah. We studied nine. What are some of these principles? For the principles excellent. Ahlusunnah, one second. Ahlusunnah. Are on the middle path with regards to the issue of takfir. 
they only declare the person who Allah and his messenger declared to be a kafir. They only declare him to be a kafir. So whoever Allah and his messenger made a kafir, then they make him a kafir. However, whoever Allah and his messenger have not made him a kafir, then they do not make him to be a kafir. And Ahlul Sunnah, in all of the issues of Aqeedah, they are, always, they are always on the middle path. You will always find, inshallah, the more we study the books of Aqeedah, you will always find that Ahlul Sunnah are always in the middle path. And then you've got, like, for example, the Khawarij, those who revolt on one side, and then the Murji on one side, so with all the Masail. Just like Islam is on the middle path when it comes to all of the other religions, Christianity and Judaism. Tayyip. Uh, Naam. Another principle. Excellent. Declaring another Muslim to be a Catholic or a person to be a Catholic, that is the haq of Allah. It is a right of Allah. So just like zakah and siyam, fasting and hajj, just like all of these rulings pertain to the sharia and you wouldn't come out with zakat on your own, the, the, the legislation of zakat on your own, then likewise, the legislation of takfir should not be down to you. You should not come up with it. And you should not innovate in it. Rather, it is a right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another principle. We studied nine. We've st- talked to, taken two so far. Naam. I'tiqad, qawl, amal, shak. How does a person become a kafir? By one of four things. It doesn't mean that all four things have to be done. Lakin, a person can become a non-Muslim due to one of four things. Either a belief that they have. For example, they believe that Allah did not send down messengers. Or an action that they do. For example, slaughtering for other than Allah Jalla wa'ala, or making sujood to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or throwing the kitab of Allah on the floor. Billah. The second or the third is a, a statement that they utter, a word that they utter. For example, Making dua to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Making dua to the amwat or to the ahya Those that are not able to answer the dua Making dua Asking the people in the graves Whether they are righteous or non-righteous For things that can benefit you Things that only Allah jalla wa ala can grant you Or withhold from you And the last way of a person exiting Islam Is by shak, having a doubt Having a doubt For example they say Wallahi I believe Adab al-Qabri But somehow there's a I'm in a bit of a doubt Because When you open a grave You can't really see anyone being punished But if Allah told us Then khalas Then it is But I don't know I have some sort of doubts regarding it Tayyip That is kufr That takes a person out of Islam Because from the conditions of La ilaha illallah was what? Al-yaqeen, certainty Like in this person Is not certain طيب, So that's the third principle Another principle Excellent Excellent that is, This is another important principle And this is where Ahlul Sunnah differ from all of the other Deviant sects and groups They say 
that if a person, a Muslim, falls into an act of kufr, we don't immediately say you're a kafir. There are conditions that have to be met and preventions that have to be removed. If these conditions are all met and there's no nothing preventing it, then that person becomes a kafir. From the conditions are what? Ilm, knowledge. A person know, must know that what they are doing is wrong. If they don't know that what they're doing is wrong, they are taught. The second one is irada. The person must do it out of choice. Like, and if they are forced, then they are not held to account. They are per- the person must also do it intentionally or say it intentionally. Like, and if they do it by accident, then obviously they won't be held to account. And the last is they can't have a ta'wil that is an interpretation that you can somewhat understand where they're coming from. A reasonable interpretation Although it's incorrect But they have a reasonable interpretation And you can understand How they've misunderstood this Or it could be understood That they have misunderstood this text Or this hadith or this verse Like in they can't, You can't make takfir of them Unless you Explain the correct interpretation The correct ta'wil Other principles Excellent Takfir Declaring another Muslim To be a kafir Or a mubtadi' Is left to the scholars It is not our responsibility To say you are a kafir You are a Muslim Why? Because this needs Knowledge Needs those that are well grounded In knowledge And they are the scholars Where else? So that's four or five Nah, excellent. So there's a difference according to Al Sunnah, there's a difference between general takfir saying whoever does that action is a kafir and saying you are a kafir as an individual. There's a difference between that. Uh, yeah, kufr akbar and kufr asqar. There's major kufr. So when you look into the Quran and the Sunnah, you will find kufr being re- mentioned. And what is intended is the major kufr that takes one out of Islam. And at times you will find in the sunnah the Prophet ﷺ mentioning the word kufr like in the meaning is the kufr that doesn't take the person outside of Islam. Like in that is also a grave sin, like in it doesn't take the person outside of Islam. Any other principles? Naam. In general, not only with takfir, like in, in general with people, we deal with them based on their outward appearance. As for whatever is in their hearts, that's nothing to do with us. And the example is the munafiqun. The Prophet sallallahu knew that they were munafiqun hypocrites. Like in, he did not establish the had upon them or the punishment upon them because outwardly they wanted to portray themselves as if they were Muslims. So if you see a Muslim practicing Islam or praying or whatever it may be, you can't say, Wallahi, I know he is not a real Muslim and he says this and this and he believes this and this. As long as the person, when you look at him, he looks like a Muslim, khalas, it's not up to you. And another example of that is the hadith of Usama bin Zayd, radiallahu anhu, where they were on the battlefield and he was, there was an enemy, the mushrik, who was fighting against him. And in the last minute, at the last minute, as, he, as Usama was about to kill him, he said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not say to him, Ya Usama, 
you were right. This guy was fighting against you. He was on the battlefield. He only said that so you can leave him alone. The Prophet did not say that to him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said to him, أَقَتَلْتَهُ بَعْدًا قَالَ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Did you kill him after he said, لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ طيب. Any other principles? Nah. Not every person that falls into kufr becomes a kafir. A person can fall into an act of kufr, lacking yet the ruling of kufr may not be applied on them. And that goes back to what? The difference between a general takfir and a specific takfir. Take the last principle, inshallah. I don't think we mentioned it last week. Or we studied it last week. Ahlu sunnati wal jama'ah. يَجْمَعُونَ بَيْنَ النُّصُوصِ أَهْلُ السُنَّةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ يَجْمَعُونَ يَجْمَعُونَ بَيْنَ النُّصُوصِ الْقُرْآنِ وَالسُنَّةِ And the meaning of that is أَهْلُ السُنَّةِ وَالْجَمَاعَةِ The people of the Sunnah They They combine their understanding of the Qur'an and the Sunnah They understand the Qur'an and the Sunnah together as a whole so they don't take one ayah, one verse, and run away with it and say we're going to apply this verse. But they're going to, they're not, and once leaving tens of other verses or hadith. So their understanding of the Quran and the Sunnah is wholesome. And that is in contrary to all of the other deviant sects. Because every deviant sect has grabbed hold of a part of the truth. They've grabbed the hold of a part part of the truth and they've left parts they've left other parts but ahlu sunnati wal jama'ah they hold on to all of the nusus all of the texts from the quran and the sunnah all of the evidences and they and they understand it as a whole so an example of this for example there are a hadith that point towards mutawatir that uh, many companions have narrated that say you cannot rebel against the hukam, right? Then there are a hadith in which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to us, enjoin the good and forbid the evil, right? And verses in the Quran. As for the deviants, they will leave, like the Khawarij and all of the other deviant sects, they will leave all of the hadiths telling them to obey, hear and obey the rulers. And they will hold on to the ahadith that say And the verses that say Enjoying the good and forbid the evil So they will hold on to this truth Which is enjoying the good and forbidding the evil And they will say we're gonna Rebel against the hukam And we're gonna enjoy the good And we're gonna tell them to do the good As for Ahlul Sunnah They say we take these ahadith We do enjoying the good and forbid the evil And we take these ahadith Saying that we cannot Or commanding us to not to rebel against the hukam Saying we cannot rebel against the leaders of the Muslims And we understand them together And they say When you're advising and enjoying the good and the evil With regards to the ruler If you're able to go to him You go to him directly between you and him If you're able to write to him You write to him However You do not stand on the member On the pulpit on a Friday And say they've done this And they've done that And they've done this so Ahlul Sunnah, they understand the Nusus, the text, the Quran as a wholesome, as they understand, they have a wholesome understanding of the Quran and the Sunnah. Is that understood? Taib. Now we're going to start with our book, inshallah. 
the third thing that we wanted to, or the third thing that we were meant to study last week, was a brief introduction into the book and the author. The author being Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab rahimahullah ta'ala rahmatan wasi'ah. As for the book, the book talks about things that nullify a person's Islam, things that take out the person outside of Islam. So the author will mention a shirk billahi subhanahu wa ta'ala, associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The shirk will talk about making intermediaries between a middleman between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and saying that takes the person out of Islam if they make dua to them. Another thing that the Sheikh is going to mention is not declaring the kuffar, the Jews and the Christians, to be kuffar. That takes a person outside of Islam. So to say the Jews and so on, are, uh, they are going to Jannah or they are Muslims and so on because they are following Isa or Musa. Also not ruling by the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and or believing that there's another sharia, another legislation, legislation or another man-made law that is better than the sharia of Allah. And then he talks about magic as well. And then he talks about totally turning away from the religion of Islam. So he's going to mention the things that take a person outside of Islam. So that is what the book is about. As for the author, then his name is Sheikh Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab He's the great scholar that was born in the Arabian Peninsula 1115. And he was born at a time when shirk was widespread. And knowledge was minute. Knowledge was very little amongst the Muslims. And they would practice a lot of deviated practices. They would make dua to the graves. They would do tawaf around the graves. They would slaughter for other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the people in the graves. So he came at a time when the Arabian Peninsula was like this. Rahmatullahi alayhi. He sought knowledge first and foremost. And he traveled. He sought knowledge in his city first, in his village. Then he traveled to Mecca and Medina. Then he traveled back to his location. Then he traveled to Iraq. He came back to Hijaz. And then he again, he traveled to Iraq. So he sought knowledge. And he wanted to go to Sham, Damascus and so on. Like he wasn't able to do so. He came back, alhamdulillah, a alim. A person who understands the religion of Allah, Jalla wa ala, And he started to call to Tawheed. He started to call to Tawheed. In a nutshell, that is Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab rahmatullahi alayhi. I won't go in, into his biography any further because when we were studying Usul al-Thalatha, I believe we touched upon it. Lakin, Mahalu Shahid, or the point that I want us to understand now is whenever a person is a person of truth, whenever a person is a person that calls to the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the understanding of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa they will always get enemies. They will always get enemies. Just like every messenger had enemies. The Prophet wasallam. they called him Sahibun Majnoon. They called him a magician. They called him crazy. They called him every bad name under the sun. Even though he was a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you look at during the time of the Salaf, Imam Ahmed, they would call them all sorts of names. The Ahlul Bid'ah, the Mu'tazila and so on. And then when you look at the, Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, they called him, they likewise, they labeled him all sorts of things, Mujassim and so on, and millions of different false labels. That's why the two Imams that also the Aqid of Raziyain, they said, Alamatu Ahlul Bid'ah, the sign of Ahlul Bid'ah is Al-Waqi'atu Fi Ahlul Athar. 
a sign of Ahlul Bid'a is Al Waqi'atu Fi Ahlul Bid'a, Fi Ahlul Sunnah, Fi Ahlul Athar. A sign of Ahlul Bid'a, people of deviation, is they insult the people of the Sunnah, the people who hold on to the narrations of the Prophet. They insult those people who say to them, Come back to the religion of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Come back to the teachings of the Prophet and the Salafus Salih. They call them Musuls. That's why during the time of Shaykh Muhammad Abdul Wahab, when he came with this truth, he wasn't exempt from this principle of Ahlul Bid'ah. So they called him millions of things. Some of them said he hates the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When he would say you cannot make dua to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they would say he hates the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When... He would call to the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, do not make dua to the dead. They would say he hates the awliya of Allah. He hates the friends of Allah, the, the righteous servants of Allah. He hates them. When he doesn't really hate them, he's just saying, don't make dua to them. He doesn't hate them. Like he's saying, don't make dua to them. So they called him all sorts of things. From those things that they said is that he makes takfir of Muslims incorrectly. He says, you're all kuffar. So they would say Muhammad Abdul Wahab, that shaitan that's appeared according to them. It wasn't shaitan, he was a righteous man, rahmatullah alayhi. They would say that man, Muhammad Abdul Wahab, he says, you've got to make hijrah to me, you've got to come to me, you've got to come to my village. They will say, he will, they accuse him of saying, everyone is a Catholic except for me and my followers. And that lie has come down through the centuries. So even today you will find some of these hideous individuals And you will find some of these comedians Who claim knowledge They accuse Sheikh Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab of Declaring Muslims to be kuffar They will say that ISIS Are the grandchildren of Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab They will say Qaida are the grandchildren of who? Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab Rahmatullah alayhi and sometimes they will say the books of Muhammad Abdul Wahab are found in the camps of ISIS. The Quran is followed, found in the camps of ISIS. What we're going to say, leave the Quran until another Quran comes down to us. So, now that we have this claim from Ahlul Bid'ah that Muhammad Abdul Wahab used to make takfir on people, we can't defend Muhammad Abdul Wahab and say, La, Allah, he never did that. We can't defend him upon truth and we can't defend him upon falsehood. We have to first look and say, did he actually make takfir of anyone? Sorry, what I meant, not defend him on truthhood. We can't make, but we can't blind follow him, I meant. We can't blind follow him and say, La, because he was Muhammad Abdul Wahab, he never made a mistake, he never made takfir. Like, and what do we do? We look into his books. If we find him saying that everyone is a kafir, apart from me and my 15 people, then Sahih, Wallahi, Ahlul Bid'ah are right. Muhammad Abdul Wahab did incorrectly declare people to be kuffar. If we read into the books of Muhammad Abdul Wahab and we find him saying, anyone that doesn't make hijrah to me is a kafir, then Wallahi, he's in the wrong and Ahlul Bid'ah are in the right. So where do we have to go in order to find Muhammad Abdul Wahab's methodology? Excellent, his books. If you want to know a person's methodology, don't go into, don't look into their books of his enemies. And this is a basic fundamental fil al-ilmi in the academic arena, in knowledge-based arenas. This is a basic rule. 
And I'll give you an example. Let's say you're doing a bath. Let's say you're doing a research and take this as a fact, as a student of knowledge. If you're doing a research and your research is on any fiqh masala, any masala which is fiqh, give me a masala. Uh, wudu, let's say wudu. Can you make wudu with water of snow water that has been left out in the sun? Can you make wudu that has been left out in the sun? This is a fiqh masala, right? I want to write the opinion of all of the four madhabs I want to know the opinion of the Hanabila, the Malikiyah, the Shafi'iyah and the Hanafiyah Where do I look? When I want to look into the opinion of the Hanabila I look into the books of the Hanabila When I want to look into the books into the opinion of the Shafi'iyah, I look into the books of the Shafi'iyah. When I want to know the opinion of the Hanafiyah, then I need to look into the books of who? The Hanafiyah. If I want to know the opinion of the Malikiyah, then I need to now go back and look into the books of the Malikiyah and what they said about this Mas'ala. Then I would get my bath together and combine all of these evidences and say this is the goal of the Hanabila or the Shafi'i, or the Maliki, or the Hanafi, and then I will put footnotes on the bottom, referencing and citing those books. Lakin, a big sin in the field of research is to look in, if you want to find the opinion of the Hanabila, and you look into the books of the Shafi'iyah. That's incorrect. If you want to know the opinion of the Hanafiyah, you can't look into the books of the who? Malikiyah. So this is basic knowledge and it's good for you to understand. So when you look into the books of Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab, let's read some of his works with regards to declaring Muslims to be kuffar. He says, Rahmatullahi alayhi rahmatan wasi'a. As for the lies and the fabrications, like their statement, <coughs> like when they say that we make general takfir of everyone and we make it obligatory upon people to make hijra to us even if he's able to practice his religion where he is so how many have we heard so far they accuse him of takfir in general and they accuse him of saying everyone has to make hijrah to us. And that we declare whoever hasn't disbelieved to be a disbeliever. And also the person that doesn't fight with us. Fight alongside us. So all of that and many more things. All of that is from lies, from the lies and the fabrications. These are the lies and the fabrications they use in order to hinder and to turn people away from the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, And if it is the case that we do not make takfir of the one that worships the idol, الذي على قبر عبد القادر that is upon the قبر of عبد القادر 
And the grave, the sanam, the idol that is upon the grave of the tomb that is upon the grave of Ahmed al Badawi. And the likes of their graves. So he's saying, we don't even make takfir on the one that makes sujood to the sanam, that worships the sanam, on these graves. Because of. Because of their ignorance And the fact that there's no one to remind them and to teach them If that is the case Pay attention He's saying If we If, if we don't make takfir on the one that, make, that worships the qabr, the grave Because of his ignorance And because of the fact that there's no one to teach him فَكَيْفَ نُكَفِّرُ مَنْ لَمْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ إِذَا لَمْ يُحَاجِرْ إِلَيْنَا How can we, in that, in that case, how could we make takfir of the person that hasn't even worshipped other than Allah? Just because he doesn't make hijrah to us. Huh? How is it possible that we can say that anyone that doesn't come to us is a kafir? When they haven't even made shirk. Whilst knowing the ones that have made shirk, we haven't even made takfir of them due to their ignorance. Or the one that doesn't make takfir, or the one that hasn't fought with us. Subhanaka hada, buhtanun adim. Verily, that is great fabrication. That is a great lie. The Sheikh says, Rahimahullah, also. But nushidullah, ala ma ya'lamuhu min qulubina. Like, I make Allah as my witness in that which He knows that is in our hearts. Bi anna man amila bi tawheed, the one that acts upon tawheed. وَتَبَرَّأَ مِنَ الشِّرْكِ وَأَهْلِهِ And he frees himself from shirk and his and its people فَهُوَ الْمُسْلِمْ And he is the Muslim The one that acts upon Tawheed and stays away and frees himself from shirk and the people of shirk Then he is a Muslim فِي أَيِّ زَمَانٍ Wherever he may be, whatever time, whatever generation he may be وَأَيُّ مَكَانٍ أي في أي مكانٍ In any location, wherever he may be Meaning he doesn't have to make what? Hijrah to us, wherever he may be, during whatever time frame, whatever era, then he is a Muslim. Verily, we only make takfir of. We only make takfir of the one that worships other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, associates partners in his uluhiyya. Lakin, is it just like that? La. Ba'dama nubayyunu lahu al-hujjah. After we make the clarification to him After we've given him the proofs After we've given him the proofs And we've established the proof upon him On the falseness of a shirk Billahi subhanahu wa ta'ala وَكَذَلِكَ And likewise نُكَفِّرُ We make takfir of مَنْ حَسَّنَهُ لِلنَّاسِ Whoever beautifies the shirk to the people because the one that is beautifying the shirk to the people, he's not acting out of ignorance, he's beautifying it for them. He's not just an ignorant person. And we also make takfir of the one that brings about doubts. Doubts regarding shirk. Justifying it. And justifying that it is permissible. وَكَذَلِكَ مَنْ قَامَ بِسَيْفِهِ 
دون هذه المشاهد مشاهد التي يشرك بالله سبحانه يشرك بالله سبحانه وتعالى عندها and also وقاتل من انكرها وسعى في ازالتها also we make takfir of the person that stands by these graves and defends them these graves that are being worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he fights against the ones that are and he fights against the ones that are rebuking it and refuting it meaning the one that is standing on these graves and above these graves defending them he, who is he fighting? he's like he's fighting the people of Tawheed who are trying to destroy these graves and trying to tell people not to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so if you look into the words of Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab, huh? What did I say? Uh, worshiping other than Allah Subhanahu wa huh? Nah, the ones that are worshiping other than Allah Subhanahu wa at these graves, however, he doesn't make the layman to be kuffar. And he only declares takfir when the proof has been established. Remember the qaida that we studied last week. So Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahhab is upon, upon this qaida because he is saying what? That I do not make takfir except after the clarification has been made to the people. So you can worship whoever you worship, the graves, and I won't make takfir of you, he's saying. Like in after the proof, after the hujjah has been established upon you, then khalas, has this person got an excuse now? Can we call them ignorant? La, they've been taught. What is the difference between that and the Prophet The Messenger وسلم, When he came to Ahlul Makkah Muslims, there were those people that accepted Islam, right? And then there were the Mushrikun of Quraysh Did he leave them alone? Like he fought against them But did he fight against them initially? Or did he give them da'wah? He gave them da'wah That is the same thing that Shaykh Muhammad Abdul Wahab Rahmatullahi alayhi rahmatullahi wasi'ah is referring to طيب. So he also says Rahimahullah وَلَا أُكَفِّرُ أَحَدًا مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ بِذَنْبٍ وَلَا أُخْرِجُهُ مِنْ دَائِجَةِ الْإِسْلَامِ I do not declare any Muslim to be a kafir because of a sin that they have fallen into and I do not take them outside of the circle of Islam and he says وَأَمَّا تَكْفِرُ وَأَسْفَ التَّكْفِرُ I make takfir of the one that knows the religion of the Prophet and then after he knows of the religion he insults the religion uh, he insults the Prophet and he prevents the people from following him or following the religion of Islam and he has hatred and he fights against those who want Insult those who prevent them from doing so, prevent them from insulting the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Wanahanas anhu aada man faalahu. Fahada hu aladi ukafiru. He is the one that I make takfir of. Wa aksaru al-ummati walillahi alhamd. Laisu kathalik. And alhamdulillah, by the praise of praises to Allah, all of the or the majority of the ummah are not like this. He says the majority of the ummah are not like this, meaning the majority of the ummah, they don't know. The Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And after knowing him, they don't insult him. So a Muslim, if you tell him don't insult the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because it's haram, he will refrain from that. He will refrain from that. طيب. Also he says, 
And as for what the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa enemies, his enemies mention, anni anni ukafiru bidhanni wal mawala, as for what the enemies say that I make takfir just based on suspicion and just because a person has befriended another person of the kuffar, or ukafiru jahil, or they say that I make takfir of the jahil, alladhi lam taqum alayhi al hujjah. Or they say that I make takfir of the jahil, the ignorant person, that the proof hasn't been established upon. He says, That is a great lie and a great fabrication. They want by way of that, they want to hinder the people and take the people out of the religion. They want to, sorry, they want to hinder the people and take them away from the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the religion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Also he says, إِنِّي أَقُولُ مَنِ اتَّبَعَ دِينَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Verily I say, anyone who follows the religion of Allah and the messenger, وَهُوَ سَاكِلٌ فِي بَلَدِهِ And he's, he lives in his country, wherever he is, لَا يَكْفِيهِ ذَلِكَ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ عِنْدِي يعني For those that say that, if you uh, that I believe in, يعني محمد الوهاب, that I believe, even if you believe in Allah, and even if you believe in the messenger, like can you live in your country, then you are not, that is not enough for you, حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ عِنْدِي until he comes to me Meaning I do not accept anyone's Islam Unless they make hijrah to me As for anyone that says that فَهَادَ أَيْضًا And that is likewise مِنَ buhtan. That is also from the lies and the fabrications Of the enemies of Allah Of the enemies إِنَّمَا الْمُرَادُ Verily the murad, the intent is المُرَادُ اتِّبَاعُ الدِّينَ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ The murad is Following the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa rasulih and the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi ayyi ardin kanat in any land you are in in any land you are in طيب. after hearing these or just some of the works of Shaykh Muhammad Abdul Wahab regarding this topic you will understand that it in reality is, is in accordance with the belief of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah in takfir if you look into the time of the Salaf Right up until today, you will find that Ahlul Sunnah they apply these exact principles that Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab has applied. Like in what Ahlul Bid'ah they do, they can't distinguish and they can't differentiate between these principles. So they say, if Muhammad Abdul Wahab says that worshiping an idol is shirk, they say that he says the whole Ummah are mushrikun. Is there not a difference between the two? Is there not a difference between saying worshiping other than Allah is shirk? And saying that everyone else, the whole ummah are mushrikun. Is there not a difference? Like in Ahlul Bid'ah, they don't have this understanding. طيب, so that's with regards to Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab And to be honest, half an hour is not enough. We need hours and hours to clarify the methodology of Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab and the aqeedah of Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab. And inshallah, there's a risala that he has authored, Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab. It's called the risala to Ilha Ali Qasim. Inshallah, if we get time, we'll go through it. طيب. So now we're going to start the book, insha'Allah, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. But before starting the book, there are a few ways that you can benefit from the book. There are a few ways that you can benefit from any lesson that you go to, whether it's this lesson or any other lesson. There are a few tips, and I will mention them as a reminder because you already know them. First and foremost, review the class or review the book before coming to the lesson. Have a look at the book that is being taught 
before actually coming to the lesson. So for example, what book are we studying now? Nawaqad Islam, things that nullify the Islam, one's Islam. Obviously, we're not going to study all 10 today, are we? No. So you don't need to read all 10. Lakin, read at least number one and two, because you know most likely, definitely we're going to read number one, but also we might reach number two, sah? The second point. So read that, the introduction, which is about three, four lines, and the first and the second, naqid. That is, with regards to, before the class. Then when you get to the class, concentrate. Take notes. But when you're taking notes, it's impossible for you to write everything. Like you write bullet points. Things that can, that can remind you of what the teacher was saying. Things that can remind you of what the teacher was saying. And if you try writing everything, you'll get confused. Like if you write bullet points, you will automatically remember what the teacher was saying. So write bullet points and then concentrate. The next title, concentrate. And I do often try to make it easy for you by saying write this, write that, title and so on. But just in the unlikely event that I do forget, do bullet points. The next is after the lesson, make sure that you do revision. Go home, revise, read, take your notes and take them out and read them. And review them with uh, two or three other individuals or two or three other students two or three other students because what you understand and what they understand may differ it may be the same lacking more often than not when you review when you revise with people you will remember that knowledge more often you will remember that knowledge more often than not whereas if you review on your own you may forget like when you're talking to someone, you're going to say, what did the stat say with regards to this? And how many conditions were there? How many principles were there? What were the principles? What is the meaning of this? You're explaining to one another. That's almost the second class. Then, last but not least, if you do get time, also listen to the recording. Listen to the recording of the lesson. That's if you get time. And you can do that when you're maybe on public transport, when you're going home or wherever it may be. Or when you're making your way to class or whatever it may be. Lacking, that often helps. So these are just tips for you to, to help you understand. The book that we're studying is obviously what? Things that nullify a person's Islam. And the opposite to that is what? Things that preserve a person's Islam. Islam came to preserve five things. Write these down. These are called Ad-Dagogiyatul Khams. Islam came to preserve five things. Number one, ad-deen, the religion of the person, the religion. The second is an-nafs, the life of Bani Adam. It came to protect their lives. The next is al-mal, wealth. It came to protect wealth. The next is Nasab, lineage. And the fifth is al ird honor. So the first is Ad-Deen, 
النفس first is a deen religion second is a nafs third is al-mal or amwal and the third or the fourth is what al-nasab lineage and the fourth is what al-ibd honor so it's, these are the dhuriyatul khamsa you will find in the book in the in the in the books of sharia or in the books of knowledge or in the sharia as a whole there is not a single rule or a single hukum except that it goes back to one of these five. For example, Kitab al-Tahara goes back to where? Deen, preservation of the deen. Aqeedah, the books of Aqeedah preserve deen. If you look into the capital punishments when it comes to cutting off the hand and so on and so forth, they come to preserve what? Wealth. If you look at Qisas, the rulers of Qisas, they came to preserve life. If you look at Nikah, Kitab al-Nikah, it came to preserve lineage, nasab. If you come to the books of Qadf and not insulting Muslims and the rulings pertaining to that, it looks after the Igd of the Muslim. So Islam is a Sharia that is Kamil. So this, these Nawaqid, they're related to the very first darura and the first necessity in human life in the in our existence, which is what ad din. It is related to ad din. Tafadl Abdullah. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah ma baad. Allahumma ghafir lana wa li shaykhina wa li muslimina ajma'in. أما بعد قال قال الإمام محمد بن عبد الوهاب بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اعلم إن من اعلم أن من أعظم نواقض الإسلام عشرة الأول الشرك في عبادة الله تعالى والدليل الشيخ سعد رحمه الله اعلم نو that أن النواقض الإسلام عشرة that the نواقض of Islam things that nullify one's Islam are ten first and foremost ناقد what does it mean, nawaqid? It means to nullify, to nullify something. To declare something to be nullified, void, void. To annul something. That is the meaning of naqid. Just like we have what? Nawaqidul wudu. Things that nullify a person's wudu. And this is to be found in the, in the Quran. Allah Jalla wa'ala says, وَلَا تَكُونُ كَالَّتِي نَقَضَتْ غَزْلَهَا مِنْ بَعْدِ قُوَّةٍ أَنْكَاثَةً do not like be like do not be like the woman that spent ages in the thread, tied it, tying it, tying it, and then undoing it, undoing it, undoing it. So naqid is a nullifier, something that nullifies. So wudu, for example, if a person makes wudu and then they break their wudu, they've fallen into a naqid, a naqid from nawaqid wudu. A nullifier from the nullifiers of wudu. So Islam or nawaqid Islam means those things that Take a person outside of Islam. طيب. It is كل اعتقاد every اعتقاد أو قول أو فعل يبطل إسلام العبد. It is every statement or belief or action that nullifies and destroys a person's Islam. That is the meaning of naqid.
every act or statement or belief that nullifies a person's Islam. And if a person does fall into that, then he has fallen into what is called a ridda, apostating, billah, may Allah protect us from it. And it means, يعني, a ridda is a ruju'u an deen, a ruju'u, a ruju'u an deen, to go back from the religion, to turn away from the religion, biqawlin, or fi'lin, or i'tiqadin, or shakkin. A ridda means to turn away from the religion, by way of a statement that you utter or an action that you do or a belief that you have or having a doubt. So that is the meaning of ridda when you apostate. So far we've studied what? What is a naqid of Islam? A naqid is what? Every statement, excellent. Action or saying or belief that takes a person outside of Islam. What is apostasy? To turn away from the religion of Allah with a statement or word and so on. So Islam has nawaqid and Islam also has nawaqis. Nawaqis with a sad. Nawaqid are those things that take you out of Islam and nawaqis with a sad at the end are those things that decrease your Islam. For example, sins. All types of sins are nawaqisul Islam. They decrease your Islam. So for example, if a person is a righteous person and they're obedient to Allah Jalla wa'ala and they don't fall into sins, is he the same as the one who always falls into sins day and night? No. This person has something which is nawaqisul Islam. They decrease his Islam and they decrease his Iman. Tayyip. Also, what we can benefit from this is Nawaqad al-Islam is the same as Nawaqad al-Iman Things that nullify Islam, things that nullify Iman, they're exactly the same thing The Sheikh says they are ten Does this mean there are only ten things that nullify Islam? No, it doesn't mean that there are only ten things that nullify Islam So a question may arise, why did the Sheikh mention these ten? So the question is, why did the Sheikh mention that there are ten? When I said that and I looked into the, all the, the brothers, there's only about three or four of them that went down to take a note. All of you should have been going down and writing that title of why did the Sheikh mention ten? The first reason is because these are the most common nawaqid, nullifiers that people fall into. <laughs> so these are the most dangerous ones because they are the ones that people fall into the most. Also another reason is that all of the other nawaqid because some of the scholars say that there are 400 nawaqid things that take a person to Islam there are many things some say 200 plus 
However, those other ones, in reality, they come under these ten. They come under what? These ten. So that is the reason why the Sheikh starts with these ten. Then the Sheikh says, Rahmatullahi alayhi rahmatullahi billahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. Associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is the definition of shirk. Ibadah to ghayrillahi ma'allah. Worshipping other than Allah with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the meaning of shirk. Diverting any worship that is the right of Allah to other than Allah. Regardless of who it may be, whether it is a prophet, whether it is an angel, whether it is a righteous person, or whether it is a stone or a grave. So it is taswiyatu ghayrillahi billahi fima huwa min khasaisillah. To associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala With other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala To associate partners with Allah In that which is specific and exclusive to him That's why the mushrikun Yawm al-qiyamah They would say Tallahi in kunna lafi dalalim mubin Wallahi we were in clear misguidance What was your sin? They said what? Idh nusawikum Bi rabbil alamin we were in a great misguidance. And what was that great misguidance? When we made you equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is none which is equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he was asked about the greatest sin, he said, that you make partners with Allah Jalla wa'ala whilst Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you. So we're gonna go past this nawaqid, naqid in a few points. Or before that, we look into the evidences. The Sheikh says first and foremost, that is the first naqid, that is the first thing that takes a person out of Islam. Islam. Then he says, Fadl Abdullah. قال الله قوله تعالى إن الله لا يغفر أن يشرك به ويغفر ما دون ذلك لمن يشاء الآية ومنه الذبح لغير الله وقال تعالى إنه ما يشرك بالله طيب إن أوصى الله جل وعلا سيز إن فرس 72 سورة المائدة إنه ما يشرك بالله فقد حرم الله عليه الجنة ومأواه النار وما للظالمين من أنصار and from that is the dua making dua calling upon the amwat bihim and seeking their rescue and seeking them to help you lahum and to slaughter to them and to make nadr to them oaths to them vows to them Naam. so that is the very first one so in this verse he says the very first verse this verse and we've come across it in many books 
the Sheikh Rahmatullah talks about, or Allah Jalla wa ala tells us about the dangers of shirk. To the extent that Allah says that verily He does not forgive anyone that does shirk. So the meaning of the verse that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala la yaghfiru an yushrik billah an yushrik bi. That Allah doesn't allow and doesn't forgive that partners are made with regards to him, alongside him. And he may forgive, and he forgives anything below that, meaning below shirk. Imam al-Shawkan, he says in his tafsir on this verse, in which he talks about, in this verse, in Allah la he says, rahmatullah alayhi, this ruling entails, encompasses all of the groups of the kuffar, whether they're Jews, whether they're Christians, any whether they're mushriks, wherever they may be. What hukum is he referring to? The fact that Allah won't forgive them if they die upon that. The first part of the verse says, Allah Jalla wa'ala says that he will not forgive anyone that dies upon shirk. So a person may turn around and say, Tayyip, okay, if that's the case, then anyone that dies on kufr is okay. It's only the mushrikun that worship idols that are not to be forgiven. Like in the one that worships Isa and the one that worships Uzayg, they're Muslims and they will be forgiven. A person can derive that ruling. Lakin, the meaning of shirk is kufr here. Anyone that disbelieves in Allah Jalla wa'ala, they won't be forgiven. So the shirk says this ruling that is found in this verse, it encompasses all of the deviant sects, all of the deviant groups, and it, from the kufar and the mushrikun. Min ahlil kitabi wa From the people of the book and other than them. The Jews and the Christians and other than them. And it is not specific to the kuffar of Ahlul Harb, the ones that the Muslims are fighting against. Because the Yehud we know, they said that Uzayg is the son of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Nasara, the Christians, they said, that Masih, Isa alayhi salam, is the son of Allah. We know that they also said that. They said Allah is one of three, the Trinity. Taib. الْمُسْلِمِينَ And there's no khilaf between the Muslims and the mushrika There's no khilaf, pay attention La khilaf, there's no khilaf amongst the Muslims Not even Ahl al-ilm There's no khilaf amongst the Muslims And the mushrika That the mushrik that associates partners of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala إِذَا مَاتَ عَلَى شِرْكِهِ If he dies upon his shirk If he dies in that state of being a kafir لَمْ يَكُنْ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْمَغْفِرَةِ so he says that there's no khilaf amongst the Muslims that if a person dies on kufr as a mushrik, then there's no way that he can be forgiven. And he does not come under and he will not be from the people of Ahlul Maghfirah, the people of forgiveness that Allah will forgive, that Allah has given to, has forgiven by way of virtue. Depending on whatever the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was for that individual. So the first part 
he's explained. The first part of the verse is what? Anyone that dies upon kufr, whether it is saying that Isa is the son of Allah, whether it's saying Uzay is the son of Allah, whether it's saying that, uh, that worshipping other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, any type of religion or kufr other than Islam, anyone that dies upon that, they will not be what? They will not be, you know, they won't be forgiven. And the second part of the verse says what? Anyone that dies as a Muslim, like in upon sins, then they are under, then it may be that Allah will forgive them. So this is the part that he's going to explain now. As for other than Ahlul Shirk, the people of Kufr, Min Usatil Muslimin, from those the sinful Muslims, as for the sinful Muslims, they are under the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as for anyone that dies upon Islam, that dies a Muslim, lacking they do not repent from the sins that they used to commit, then the Shaykh says, Rahmatullah alayhi, that that person is under the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah may forgive them. They haven't repented, but Allah may forgive them due to Allah's mercy. Or Allah may punish them. Allah may punish them. Lakin that is due to the justness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qala ibn Jagir, Ibn Jagir says Rahmatullah. Ibn Jagir, Imam al Mufassirin, they call him. And he's got a tafsir called Jamil Ta'wil Quran. Interpretation of the Quran. About 15. 17, 18 volumes or something. He says, Rahimahullah, this verse has clarified that every person that dies upon a major sin, he's under the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If he wills, Allah can punish him or will punish him. And he, if Allah wills, then Allah may forgive him. مَا لَمْ تَكُنْ كَبِيرَتُهُ شِرْكًا بِاللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى As long as he is kabira and the major sin or the sin that he has committed as long as it is not shirk as long as it is not associating partners of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So based on the words of Imam Shawkani, Imam Ibn Jarir we understand from this verse that anyone that dies upon kufr and shirk they will not be accepted there they will not be forgiven Yawm Al-Qiyamah. That is if they die on it. Lakin if a person commits shirk or kufr and then repents and accepts Islam, then the Messenger said, Al-Islam Islam, it wipes away everything that was before it. Like many of the companions, they accepted Islam. The majority of the companions, they accepted Islam. And their Islam became the best of Islam. So if a person dies on this kufr and shirk, they will not be forgiven. Like if they die upon major sins, then they are under the will of Allah. In this verse, we see the dangers of shirk and we see the virtue of tawheed. Who can tell me where the virtue, where the virtue of tawheed is in this verse? Where can we see the virtue of tawheed in this verse? The greatness of Tawheed in this verse. Although there's no Tawheed in the Quran. There's no... Yeah, mentioned here. Huh? 
Okay. So on, so the the brother said, as long as you're a Muslim, means as long as you die upon Tawheed, your Tawheed will be a protection for you of remaining in the fire. And it may even protect you from entering the fire. Even if he was a person of disbelief. Uh, if he was a person who used to commit sins, not disbelief. How does it show the dangers of shirk? Ikhwan, inter- interact with me, come on. Talk back to me. They will not be forgiven. So that also shows the verse, first part of the verse. The first part of the verse shows the dangers of shirk, whereby if a person dies upon it, they will not be forgiven. The second part of the verse shows the virtue of Tawheed, whereby even if you die whilst committing sins, then Allah Jalla wa'ala will what? Will, may forgive you And even if you do get punished You will not be in the fire for eternity One second I'm coming to that Lakin Questions after Lakin For now That is the virtue of Tawheed And that is the dangers of Ashik As for the, what the brothers mentioned We studied it in the last book Some of the scholars say that this is Shik Asghar and Akbar, the major shink and the minor shink, and some say it is not like we'll get to that inshallah soon. So that is the verse. The second verse is Verily, the one that commits shink. Allah mentioned three rulings in this verse. Verily, Allah has made Jannah haram for him. If Jannah has been made haram for him, where is his abode? Jahannam. As for Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Fariqun Fil Jannah wa Fariqun Fi Sahih. There's only two paths. There's the people of Ahlul Jannah, there are the people of Ahlul Jannah, and then there are the people of the fire. So Allah says, Verily, man yushrik billah, the one that associates partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ Then Jannah is haram for him. Meaning there's only one other destination that he can possibly go to, which is Jahannam al-Iyadu billah. وَمَأْوَاهُ النَّارِ And here's the other answer. And his abode. Where he will stay in for eternity will be the fire. And the third ruling that the verse mentions is And the Zalimin, those who fell into oppression of worshipping other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will be in the they will have no helpers. Meaning Yawmul Qiyamah, there's no one that can help them. Whereas the believers, they will have people that intercede for them. The prophets will intercede for them. Their righteous children will intercede for them. The angels will intercede for them. And they will ask for them not to even be punished. And even if they are in the fire, they they will make intercession for them to come out of Jahannam. Like in the Kuffar, there's no answers for them. There's no helpers for them. How many ahkam has the verse mentioned? Three rulings. The first is, the Jannah is har- that Jannah is haram is impermissible for the person that goes into haram Allah alayhi Jannah. That person will not enter Jannah. Which person? Billah. The one that associates partners with Allah. The second hukum is that his home is Jannah. And there's no helpers for the Dalimin, the oppressors. Taib. Wa min dhalika. 
So now the sheikh is explaining some of that. So he's not just saying shirk and khalas. He's explaining wamin and from that. An example of this is what? Making dua to the dead. Asking the dead to give you children. Asking the dead for intercession. Asking the dead to give you your worldly needs. That is the shirk that the shaykh is referring to. And that is the meaning of shirk, or one of the meanings of shirk. So sometimes you will find that some people, when they come into hajj, there are people that from their country that were not able to come to hajj. Like in they write on a note. Sometimes they write on notes. Ya Rasulullah, give me this, give me a good family, give me children, give me wealth, Ya Rasulullah. And then you've got them, the ignorant people carrying it for them. So asking the dead to protect you from Jahannam, to enter you into Jannah, to protect you from harm's way, to give you a blissful life, to give you wealth, to give you a family and children, that is shirk billah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no two ways about it. That is dua ul amwat. You're making dua to them. طيب. How do we know that is shirk? Let's go back a step. Is dua not a ibadah? Dua is a ibadah. So anyone that diverts it other than Allah is a mushrik. Sujood is not is that not a ibadah? Anyone that makes sujood other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that is what? Shirk. Slaughtering for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that not a form of ibadah? Anyone that slaughters for these jinn or the shayat or the or the, or the people in the graves, the awliya and so on, then they have fallen into shirk. It's a simple equation. They have diverted a type of ibadah, worship, to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fear, al-khawf, is that not ibadah? Fearing anyone else, how you would fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a form of ibadah, that is shirk al-akbar, because you've given this ibadah to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for example, some people... In certain places, if you say to them, say, Wallahi, you didn't do that. You did not do that. And they know they didn't do that. They will say, Wallahi, I didn't do that. Even though they know they didn't do that. Or even though they, they, even they know they've done it. So they don't mind saying, Wallahi, and they know they're lying. But if you say to them, say, Wallahi, I say, I swear by the wali of fulan, fulan, the awliya, they will say, they will re re refuse to do so. Because they fear that the wali will harm them and he's capable of harming them. Is that not ibadah? That is the fear that is ibadah. So these ibadah that the shaykh is saying, also istighatha, seeking refuge, seeking help. Istighatha. Istighatha is a form of ibadah. However, istighatha is more specific. Dua is general and stighatha is specific. Stighatha is when you are in shidda, when you are going through hardship. Allah, 
when they would the mushrikun whenever they would go travel by the sea and they would come through waves upon waves and they would all of the asbab and all of the ways that people can help them are cut off in that moment they would make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is what seeking refuge means so istighatha that is the meaning of istighatha so asking anyone else for istighatha or seeking help in that way istighatha from other than Allah then it is what? Shirk billah subhanahu wa ta'ala don't fall for what these people say, the, 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 these people that justify shirk by saying la is called calling upon the righteous because the righteous are able, they've got special powers and Allah loves them and they are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on and so forth. La. Khalas. They are human beings at the end of the day. And ibadah is to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for calling upon the dead, you can call upon the dead like you know what you're doing is shirk. You can ask them whatever you want, like you know what you're doing is shirk, because that is dua. Addu'a hu al-ibadah. If my servants ask about me, tell them I am near. Your Lord, your Lord says, make dua. I will respond to you and answer your du'as. So dua, slaughtering for other than Allah, slaughtering for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, making Istighatha, seeking refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, istiada in refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, love, mahabba, tawakkul, all of these are forms of ibadah that you cannot divert to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if they are given to other than Allah, what does it become? Shaykh. Do you remember a qaida that we studied in the last book? Al ibratu? Huh? The reality is that we look into, or the reality is given into, or we look into the reality of things, the reality of how things are. We looked into the facts. We don't look at the names. And the example I sent you, we can't, if we call khamar a refreshing drink, does that mean it makes it halal? Just because you've given it a different title? La. Shink is shink. Tayyip. The next thing that we want to know is how did Shirk come into this Ummah? How did Shirk come into Bani Adam? Ibn Abbas says in authentic hadith that the generations between Adam and Nuh السلام, they were upon Tawheed. However, when the righteous people started to die and they passed away, Shaitan came to the next generation. And he said to them, in order to remember your forefathers, carve out stones just so you can remember them. And once you see them and you remember them, you can worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. You can be diligent in worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, be a diligent servant to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They did not worship them. He just said, carve them out so you can remember them. Then when that generation passed away, the idol still stayed. Then the next generation... Shaitan came to them and said, bring them to your places of worship just so that you can remember them. But again, they did not worship them. They only brought them to, brought them to where? Places of worship. Then when the next generation came, they did not know why these were carved out and they did not know why they were brought to these places of worship. So Shaitan said to them, what? 
your forefathers who were righteous used to worship these idols. And they started what? Worshipping these idols. So that is how Shink, that is when Shink entered into this Ummah. And it was through Al Ghulu fi Salihin, going to extremes with regards to the righteous people. So that is the reason why they were misguided. Al Ghulu fi Salihin, going over bounds, being excessive with regards to the righteous. That's why the Messenger said, لا تطوني كما أطغت النصارى عيسى بن مريم Do not go overbound. Do not praise me and take me overboard. Just like Isa, just like the Nasara did with Isa alayhi salam. Allah told them, يا أهل الكتاب لا تغلو في دينكم Oh people of the book, do not go to extremes of your religion. So, Calling people or going, committing shirk by way of the righteous servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has always been a way of the people of shirk. That's why today you will find them saying, La, subhanAllah, we're not committing shirk. Of course we don't commit shirk. We're only making dua to these because they're righteous or through these because they're righteous individuals. Yeah, but Allah never told you to make dua through them. Allah says, ask me directly and Allah will respond to you. So by you asking them, you are giving them a right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that has been a way of extremism, a way for the ummah to fall into extremism and going overbound and giving, going overboard and giving the rights of Allah to these righteous individuals. Tayyip. The, from the dangers or the next title is the dangers of shirk from the dangers of shirk is that a person is outside of Islam they are no longer a Muslim and that is the greatest punishment a person can come through imagine being called a kafir and being a kafir that is the greatest punishment and greatest loss that a person can go through in life which is to be called and to be outside of the religion of Islam also from the dangers of shirk is what? The fact that Allah won't forgive you if you die upon that wal-iyadu billah. It is the one sin that if a person dies upon they will not be forgiven for. It is the one sin that if a person dies upon they will not be forgiven for. If a person dies whilst drinking alcohol like in they are a Muslim then Allah may forgive them and Allah may punish them. Remember that hadith that we mentioned last week where the man was brought to the Prophet and he would be whipped. Brought again, whipped, brought again, whipped and so many times and then some of the companions cursed him and, they, and the Prophet said La tal'anhu, do not, insult, do not curse him for verily he loves Allah and his messenger. So this, the dangers of shirk is the fact that it takes you outside of Islam. طيب. Shirk has two types. The third is the types of shirk. Shirk has two types. The first is the major shirk, which takes a person outside of Islam. And its reality is giving a right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a ibadah, 
giving it other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibadat ugayrillah, worshipping other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or giving any ibadat other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The ibadah that is meant to be done for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, giving it to other than Allah. And the second type of shirk is shirk al-asghar, the lesser shirk. And that doesn't take a person outside of Islam. And its reality is that a person falls into something that has been labeled shirk in the sharia, but it doesn't take the person outside of Islam. So it has been labeled in the sharia, it has been called shirk, but it doesn't take the person outside of Islam. It doesn't take the person outside of Islam. So based on that, when Allah says in Allah la as the brother asked earlier on, in this verse we know that Allah says that He doesn't forgive shirk. Anyone that dies upon shirk, like and He forgives other than that, anything less than that. And we know that there are two types of shirk. And we know that major shirk definitely comes under this verse, right? The question is, what about minor shirk? Does it come under this verse? You should know the answer because we studied it a few weeks ago. So I know. But what I'm saying is, this verse, Allah says, anyone that commits shirk, Allah will not forgive. Can we say that anyone that commits minor shirk, Allah won't forgive? Or does minor shirk come under this verse? Lahda. Sorry, one second. Go on, Baba. Okay. Good. Okay, good. Excellent. Naam. For? Forever? That's the minor shirk that you're referring to, yeah? Okay, okay, so can anyone help the brother out? You was 90% there and then you just slightly knocked yourself off. Excellent. Nah, so you, you answered about 90% of it, or 85%. Dave, so... When shirk is mentioned, the brother asked earlier on, does minor shirk come under this verse? Meaning, we said minor shirk doesn't take the person outside of Islam, right? But here we have Allah saying that he doesn't forgive shirk. So they say, can, or the question is, does shirk come under the general title? The answer is, as the brothers have said, from the scholars of Ahlul Sunnah, there are those that say, yes, shirk, it comes under this verse. So it comes under shirk, minor shirk comes under this verse. However, due to other evidences, we know that this person will not remain in the fire forever. So they will enter the fire because they committed shirk, but they won't stay in the fire because what they done was make minor shirk. <laughs> then there are those that say no, Aslan, if a person commits minor shirk, they will not enter into this verse, they will not enter into the fire because it doesn't take the person outside of Islam. Like in whatever way you look at it, the answer is one. There's no khilaf amongst them. 
in the reality of things, which is they acknowledge that if a person dies upon minor shirk, they won't remain in the fire for eternity. Um, the next masala is is there a difference between kufr and shirk? Kufr and shirk. Is there a difference? Write this down. Is there a difference between kufr and shirk? Kufr and shirk are those words that they're like Islam and Iman. Islam and Iman. What is the difference between Islam and Iman? Islam and Iman. When they're mentioned in the same sentence, they take different meanings. But when they're mentioned individually, they're the same. And there was a qa'ada that we learned some time ago, which was If they come together, iftagaqa in the meaning. And if each one is mentioned on its own, they come together in there, in the meaning that they have. So kufr and shirk are like that. Shirk means to associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And kufr means to disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So shirk means to worship Allah and worship other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To divert ibadah to other than Allah. But kufr means what? Juhud. To totally deny Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence. To uh, totally disregard Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his religion and so on. So kufr is also... A person that is or kufr is also different to Islam. Like in the way that they're disbelieving is not by worshipping other than Allah, like in they are denying the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or they are believing in Mathalan something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded them to believe in. They are denying something that Allah commanded them to believe in. Tayyip. Lakin if they are mentioned, if one of them is mentioned, then it means the other one. So when Allah says, Inna Allah, la bihi, Allah doesn't forgive that partners are associated with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it also means that Allah doesn't believe, forgive anyone who commits kufr, right? Otherwise, the meaning would be, if you commit shirk, you're not forgiven. But if you're a kafir, you will be forgiven. Is that the meaning of the verse? Of course not. That is not the meaning of... The verse. Type. Type. The next masala is that with all of these issues that we started with, the benefits of the harms of shirk, when shirk started into this ummah, the types of shirk, the dangers of shirk. It has the exact same thing, or Tawheed has exactly the same categorization. So we can talk about the virtues of Tawheed, just like we talked about the dangers of Shirk. We can talk about when Shirk started into this Ummah, and we can also say that everyone was upon 
the fitrah everyone is upon tawheed when we're talking about the types of shirk we say that they are how many is how many types mainly two tawheed is of how many types three types when we're talking about the virtue the dangers of shirk we can also talk about the virtues of tawheed to every masala that we studied with regards to shirk we have its opposite with regards to what with regards to Tawheed. So that is the first naqid that takes a person outside of Islam. Ashinku fi ibadatillahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like in pay attention, the Sheikh is talking about Sheikh as a whole, right? Has the Sheikh Zed said to us, has he said to us, Zayd, Amr, Ahmed, Ali, Muhammad, Abu Kufar? La. So we can't say Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab is a takfiri because he says that anyone that commits Sheikh is a kafir. We can't say he has made general takfir of everyone in the ummah because he has merely stated what is kufr. As for individuals, it goes back to other principles. It goes back to what? Other principles like the proof being established upon them. طيب. So that is a summary of or rough meaning of the first naqid and the first thing that takes a person outside of al-Islam. Inshallah. We'll stop there and continue with the next naqid, um, next lesson.